Chapter Four of *The Untempered Wind* by Joanna Wood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. O Jesus, if Thou wilt not save my soul, who may be saved? Who is it may be saved? Who may be made a saint if I fail here? as who should say i am sir oracle and when i ope my lips let no dog bark there are doubtless a few of us in the world capable of judging and pronouncing sentence upon the rest it is unfortunately inevitable however that such capabilities remain forever underestimated and the possessors rarely receive the acknowledgments due from an ungrateful world mrs deans was one of the chosen few who recognize their own infallibility and accept as a sacred trust the knowledge that they are indispensable to be a god mrs deans only lacked the minor attribute of immortality a want of which she was herself unconscious mrs deans strove earnestly to better her neighbors and cause them to conform to her standards of what was right she was a firm believer that open rebuke is better than secret love and whatever risk myron ran under mrs dean's rule she incurred no danger of being carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease a thing much to be dreaded nor was there any possibility of her forgetting for a half hour at a time the light in which mrs dean's viewed her which was of course the somewhat trying illumination that the children of light project upon the children of darkness mrs deans had a modestly good opinion of herself thou art the salt of the earth impressed her with all the directness of a personal remark those who enjoyed the privileges of mrs deans household were first and least her husband henry deans he was a small man with a little wee face and a little yellow beard a cane-coloured beard it was five years since his horses running away as he returned from the market town capsized him over a steep bank down which the barrel of salt he had bought rolled also and striking him in the back partially paralysed him since that time he had sat under his wife's ministry in summer the back porch held his chair in winter the kitchen by keeping a careful eye upon the bound girl he sometimes discovered her in a dereliction it was a happy hour for him when this was the case it had the effect of distracting his wife's attention from him for one thing and when too closely centred upon any one person mrs dean's regard was apt to prove embarrassing it also won him much commendation from her being convinced of the utter depravity of the bound girl both individually and collectively it gratified mrs deans to have her moral certainty attested by positive proofs it made her realize her seer-like qualities mrs deans son gamaliel known to his fond mother as maley and to jamestown as male stood first in his mother's regard gamaliel was mrs dean's idea of a fancy name she had hesitated long before bestowing it upon her boy wavering between gamaliel and ambrose 
she finally decided upon the former it being more uncommon the son of mrs dean's sister-in-law's brother was called ambrose and also gamaliel was as mrs dean said more suitable whether to her son's mental or physical endowments she did not specify old mrs holder once said she never could picture out any one else being called gamaliel nor believe that mrs dean's son could have had any other name he was a stubborn young lout whose strong will was only subjective to his mother's because he did not recognize his own strength she had curbed him as he bitted the huge young clydesdale colts sometimes a well-broken horse realizes its own strength and we hear a horrid story of torn flesh and trampled limbs when it turns to rend its master if gamaliel deans ever revolted his mother would suffer however he was quiescent enough for his mother's schemes were all for his benefit besides he appreciated the charms of a quiet life and had inherited a liberal share of the diplomacy his paralytic father displayed when he feigned sleep for long hours at a stretch hoping that he might entrap the bound girl into some piece of unwary carelessness both henry deans and his son gamaliel had a deep-rooted belief in the value of the bound girl as a counter-irritant mrs deans had had just a pigeon pair of children as jamestown put it but her girl had died when an infant mrs deans was too good a woman not to bear up under the loss especially as she did not care for girls the bound girl made up the regular trio which mrs deans drove before her over roads of her choosing it is unnecessary to say much of the bound girl mrs deans described them often evil incarnate she called them mrs deans changed her bound girls now and then they came to her with all the different merits and various vices of their unhappy class they left her different incarnations of the same weary broken deadened spirit of labor and endurance their individual characteristics capabilities and tendencies had nothing whatever to do with their case woman and mother as mrs deans was she was never moved by their peculiar needs it is requisite doubtless to the great plan that there be bound ones among us enduring like the hereditary embalmer the parasite of egypt a loathsome heritage and yet the pity of it but mrs deans was not one to question the providence which ordained for these bound girls their lot in life they're born bad and bad they are and bad they'll be every one of them evil root and branch you can't be up to them and their ways these were mrs deans sentiments upon the subject of bound girls and other opinions do not matter the hired men mrs deans treated with the deference due to those who must be conciliated and who are free agents mrs deans if not exactly harmless as the traditional dove had at least a smattering of the wisdom of the serpent mrs deans was distinctly a leader in jamestown society 
she was a very good woman liberal to the church foremost in collecting for missions ready to head a donation list at any time therefore every one said myron holder was very lucky to have won mrs dean's help that this help consisted in being allowed to do the hardest work under the most intolerable circumstances for very meagre pay they did not stop to consider mrs deans said she felt it a duty to have myron holder we are all so thoroughly acquainted with the fact that duties are unpleasant that the jamestown women are not to be blamed for looking upon mrs deans in the light of a martyr mrs warner expressed the sense of the village view of the matter when she said it beats me how mrs deans can put up with that myron holder going about as if she was injured bless your heart with a face as long as a fiddle and looking as if she was half killed when she ought to be thankful to be let into a decent house to work and indeed the hopeless face myron holder bore above her aching heart was a public reproach but we do not see rebuke where we do not look for it and jamestown felt itself above censure in the old puritan graveyards in the new england states there was a place set apart where in a common receptacle were buried those who held a different faith from the puritans or who avowed no faith at all this was called the damned corner whether the puritans out of zeal to do their master's work intended in this way to facilitate the business of separating the sheep from the goats or whether it was with a view of securing their own sacred dust from contamination does not appear but it is a custom which still survives we all have a damned corner where beneath the intolerable burden of our disapprobation we deposit those we know are wrong of course common decency requires that we keep these spots swept with our criticism garnished with invective and when it is considered that in mrs dean's eyes even gamaliel sometimes showed faults it will be understood the worthy woman had no sinecure mrs dean's mind was somewhat out of drawing to her body which was broad large fair and of generous proportions why fat and good temper should have been so long proverbially associated is difficult to discern in so far as the ordinary mind can analyze it would seem as if adipose was a distinct excuse for bad temper to be hotter than other people in summer and not so cold in winter is one of the simplest and most obvious results of fat yet who shall say this is conducive to sympathy with other people mrs deans had been a warner and was inclined to goiter her large head with its oily bands of fair hair was always somewhat inclined backwards her general appearance suggested in a remote way a colossal and bad-tempered pouter pigeon a likeness absurdly emphasized sometimes by the redness of her eyes when myron holder crossed the threshold with the quilting frames a scene characteristic of the place greeted her 
mrs deans stood in the foreground holding the floor her husband listened to her eloquence blinking appreciatively if somewhat apprehensively you never knew to use one of her own expressions when you had mrs deans and when you hadn't she was apt to deflect suddenly from the chase she was engaged in and start full cry after another's shortcomings more than once henry deans enjoying himself hugely while his wife browbeat the bound girls had his joy turned to mourning by suddenly discovering that the peroration of his wife's address had for its inspiration his own shortcomings his wife was as he confided to gamaliel uncertain it was a perilous joy to listen to her and therefore perhaps the more exhilarating the bound girl a slight tow-headed child with high unequal shoulders and arms and wrists developed by her life of toil into absurd disproportion to her body stood by the stove listening with a dazed look in her weary eyes she had broken a seven-cent lamp-glass myron put aside the basket of groceries took the quilting frames to an empty corner and set about her preparations for the weekly washing the bound girl still stood motionless by the fire and mrs deans still talked her husband was shifting uneasily in his chair for her remarks were beginning to wander from the case in point and her condemnations and criticisms were becoming too sweeping to be altogether pleasant when much to the relief of her hearers mrs deans attention was distracted by the arrival of the ragman with his noisy rattling van piled high with coarse bulging sacks of canvas mrs deans assumed her sunbonnet and went out to him he was a man of sixty or so thin good-humoured and with what mrs deans called an eye to the main chance perched high upon the seat of his old-fashioned blue van he was exposed to all the variableness of the weather but he took sunshine and rain in good part and seemed little the worse save that he was tanned to a fine mahogany tint he went regular rounds through the country gathering rags and scrap iron his calling is a survival of the old classic system of barter the interior of his van was filled with an array of pans and pails and all sorts of tinware a drawer at the back held common cutlery horn-handled knives and forks and tin spoons such as his customers used with these wares he paid for the rags and old iron many a thousand pounds of each had he and his old black horse collected he had a faculty for gauging the weight of a bag of rags that was truly impressive that'll go thirty pound he would say then weighing it hastily turned at thirty and a half he would announce with an air of surprise at his own mistake then by a quick fling the bag would be skilfully bestowed upon the top of the van his load was always one-sided but never fell off mrs deans always had rags for him and invariably bought pie-plates who is that said he to mrs deans after the chaffering process was over and she stood pie-plates in hand watching him put the wooden peg through the staple to keep the hasp tight he had caught a glimpse of myron holder that oh 
jed holder's myron returned mrs deans assuming the face with which she taught sunday school tis eh what do you have her for i feel a duty to have her here but it goes agin me mr long it does that but there we all have our cross and we must help along as well as we can are you going to call at old mrs holder's she takes it most terrible hard yes i'll call there it's a lucky job for the girl she's got such a backer as you mrs deans twould be a good thing if there was more like you it beats all what women is coming to these days who's the man don't ask me ask her that's the only place i know to find out she's that close though and stubborn even i for all i've done for her and put up with don't know no more does her grandmother but i'll find out well well that's curious said the ragman by this time perched aloft again and shaking the reins over the high lean haunches of his horse good day mrs deans you have a fine place here good morning when'll you be back be sure you call i'll be around in a couple of months again good morning he replied as his van jolted away it seems to me said he soliloquizing that mrs deans has washed more'n she can hang out jed holder's daughter can keep her mouth shut if she makes up her mind to it i knowed jed this ragman had not gathered the rags of jamestown for thirty years without acquiring some knowledge of the people i can read em by their rags he used to tell his wife he was justified in doubting mrs deans ability to perform the task she had set herself to fathom myron's secret that girl of jed holder's has made a fine job of herself the ragman said to old mr carroll as he drove homeward in the evening yes said old carroll women are a bad lot a bad scheming lot oh come come you'll be getting married to some young girl one of these fine days retorted the astute ragman ay no sir not such a fool snorted the old man highly pleased will you come in and have a drop the ragman would they entered the house together the black horse meantime reaching down to nibble at last year's grass through which the first tender blades of the new growth were pointing presently the ragman emerged looking much happier and warmer the wind was chill in the evenings yet and mr carroll's drop meant a good stiff glass of gin mr carroll came to the door after him mrs deans declares she'll find out but the job will puzzle even her i'll warrant the ragman was saying as he climbed nimbly up over the front wheel trust her for that women are all alike set a thief to catch a thief replied his host with a sardonic chuckle if mrs deans could have heard him the ragman loudly evidenced his appreciation of this fine wit and departed calling out evening good evening you've got a fine snug place here mr carroll his homeward way led through quiet country roads and long grass-grown concessions the promise of spring made sweet the air and although the night felt gray and chill it did not numb as do autumn nights of the same temperature 
the ragman's house stood on the outskirts of a little town and was dwarfed and overshadowed by the barn which occupied the main portion of the lot one little corner of this barn was devoted to the big black horse the rest was given over to rags if the rags are not sent to the mills as they are collected they are sorted which means that buttons hooks and eyes are cut off and the woolen separated from the cotton rags the former are sent to the shoddy mills the paper factories absorb the others the ragman's trade has its traditions and romances and the tales of fortunes found by ragpickers are beautiful truths to all of their calling so this ragpicker like all others carefully felt the pockets and linings of the garments that came to him during his thirty years of ragpicking he had found one two-dollar bill seven ten-cent pieces eighteen five-cent pieces one pair of gloves and an average of one lead pencil a year but he still hoped finding a fortune in rags however is a little like trying to locate the pot of gold at the rainbow's foot myron holder had heard plainly the ragman's query and mrs dean's reply old henry dean's blossoming forth like a snail out of its shell as soon as his wife's back was turned said with leering facetiousness ah a fellow askin after you myron and pointed his fist with a look that made the blood spring to the woman's cheeks and linger there a painful blot as though the face had been smitten she bent over her tub in silence her heart hot within her the regard of such men and women as myron holder lived among may not seem of much moment to us nor their criticisms of any import at all but it must be remembered that they formed myron holder's world and their verdict upon her was terrible inasmuch as with them lay the power of inflicting the penalty they pronounced mrs deans bustled in rattling her pie-plates every one was at work and unhappy so after scathing her husband with a contemptuous look on general principles she betook herself to the kitchen proper and soon getting the quilting frames into position proceeded to tie her quilts which process consisted in dotting their resplendent red and blue surfaces with fuzzy knots of yellow yarn that night when myron holder went home she thought for the first time once or twice rebelliously of the portion meted out to her but that unaccustomed mood passed and left her in her normal condition of self-reproach it is perhaps true that martyrdom is a form of beatitude but if compulsory it rarely has a spiritualizing effect myron holder was condemned to endure all the slings and arrows that a spiteful narrow-minded village can aim she arose in the morning and ate her hasty breakfast to the sound of bitter words directed with the unerring malignity of long-suppressed dislike at last given an excuse for expression 
she worked all day subject to the taunts of a vulgar virago the coarseness of that unlicked cub gamaliel the intolerable leers and jibes of the half-paralyzed henry deans she returned at night to be greeted by her grandmother's venomous reproaches doubtless she deserved all this but her acceptance of it might have been different for myron holder had come of no slavish race of downtrodden serfs she had sprung from a long line of sturdy english forebears lowly indeed but free and bold it would scarcely be a matter for wonder had myron holder fought with her back against the wall defied the world she knew utterly its narrow prejudices cramped conventions traditionary decencies but she did not at this time she neither rebelled nor struggled she endured so did prometheus End of chapter four